listening to the National Intel Report with your host, John Statmiller. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, playing for John Statmiller. And I'm just touching on some of the history as to how we arrived where we are today to explain the, the bigger picture of how we're not evolving towards something, rather we're being pushed towards something, uh, pushed in a very delicate, careful way by invisible hands, the hands of the culture creators and those who give us our indoctrinations. Most indoctrination is done through schooling and uh, and from your own parents who've had their own conditioning, they pass it on. And then the media takes over through fiction primarily for the young and even music Plato talked about the arts all being used to manipulate the minds of people 2,300 years ago. It was a science back then. And we have the media, this great media, the middle one, that's what media comes from. Uh, They are in the middle. They pass on all the data to us down below. We, the people, who then, who work like computers, we take that data and process it like a computer with our logic and language and come to preconditioned, uh, preordained conclusions, which the big boys know we'll come to. There has never been a democracy as such, although it's well touted today from the top. Uh, democracy supposedly being the will of the people, or for those who don't like the idea of democracy, they'll say it's mob rule. However, the mob themselves never have any original ideas. In fact, they look to the media to give them the ideas uh, what the big boys count on at the top is that the mob will vote for the way they're told to vote, which they do. And they, you'll find in most elections, they give you the good guy and the bad guy because that's how they give you the wrestling matches. The giant haystack versus mountain man. Mountain man's going to take your pensions away so you know who not to vote for. It's very simple. It's very, very simple. They used to use very old men in the past to, to run for presidents and prime ministers because it tended to go with an, an older, conservative-valued system. In the 60s and 70s, they brought out some younger men because they had to get the women to vote for them. In Canada, they got Pierre Trudeau, gave him an image as a sort of swinging-type guy and uh, got him a good wife. He was a real swinger, big floppy hat, at the time of the hippies and yet this guy Pierre Trudeau had been the leader of the Communist Party for Canada and led the Comintern delegation to Moscow in 1952 yet when he ran years later for Prime Minister not one newspaper mentioned that very important fact he was also a Rhodes Scholar then we tie up the Rhodes Scholarship from England from London and what it was set up to do, bring in world governments, you start to tie the ends together, and you find that communism was just a creation of the, the capitalist countries to standardize big parts of the world, give them a common culture, a centralized government, very important. And then, uh, as Lenin said, uh, gradually bring it back into a new system, not quite capitalist, not quite communist, 
Lenin uh, talked about that at the beginning of the 1900s. They knew the dictatorship was not to last too long, just long enough to change whole regions of the world that used to speak different languages and have different systems of government, now standardized under the communist one. Centralization is the key. So we're just going through our part of it now, those who are alive today, as they finish off the untidy bits of the world, the, the Middle East, the Middle East being the countries which still cling to family traditions. They cling to their religion. They also keep out of the world banking system. If you've noticed over the last few years, with the United Nations going after certain countries, such as Bosnia, Yugoslavia, uh, the countries that did not belong to the World Bank, they were bombed into submission, they were bombed into poverty, and then they had to go and borrow from the World Bank. Uh, this is the standard key. The same thing is happening, of course, with Iraq. In Iraq, it's interesting to note that the first ones in after the military were uh, UNESCO. That's the United Nations Educational Group, whose goal it is, is to grab young children and train them into the Western-valued system, hoping that they will grow up to be the first real democratized standardized people running their own country for the United Nations, of course. The second thing they did was to make a law that the farmers couldn't use their own seed anymore. They had to use the modified seed. Now, why would that be made law in countries you've just conquered that have been self-sufficient? Well, self-sufficiency is the key. Under the world is to come into play. There is to be no self-sufficiency. In fact, individuality is to be eradicated, you have to be interdependent. That means you have to be dependent on the system, the world system, for your water and your food, your clothing, and for everything else. You will need to survive. This is a long, long laid plan, uh, carefully spelled out in books written by many of the, the big front players over the last 150 years books that gather dust in libraries because they're rather boring, many written by top-level bureaucrats and the Kissingers of their era, those types of books. They spell it out in black and white. They name the think tanks and associations that create reality for you. They tell you, too, that these think tanks are specialized. Each one is a, has a specialization even have gender specialization ones when they want to manipulate the male more than the female or vice versa. They also have think tanks that deal specifically with child psychology. They then get the format of how they want those children to grow up and what kind of adults they want in 20, 25 or 30 years and those think tanks then go into action and come up with cartoons and certain things they'll put into cartoons they'll be taught to those children who are two, three, or four years old today. Recently, someone in, in uh, Thailand sent me some of this, the teaching aids that we're getting over there now. And it was a cartoon figure of robots, the teacher being the main robot, and then when the class starts, this is now we all become robots. And they talk in a robotic language using almost robotic
terminology. And this is the sort of thing your children watch when you babysit them with a television. They're being programmed for a world of cyborgism, part human, part machine, a world where they will no longer truly be human. They call it transhumanism. The, the great leap forward is the term they couched it with as early as the 1700s. Everyone else thought, well, this is a, a, an evolution. You see some sort of spontaneous evolution. But no, they knew back in the 1700s it would be done through scientific means. And they'd create new types of humans to serve a world system better, more efficiently. This individuality idea of growing up and using skills that you had or perfecting skills was just too untidy and unpredictable. And the boys at the top want a very predictable world. That's why they have to have all data on every single individual on the planet from birth to death. That's what all this is about today. All this terrorism nonsense, this reign of terror that's been put over the entire planet. A reign of terror well discussed, and you should read the books about it from the French Revolution, and you should read the books about the reign of terror from the communist viewpoint, because they always follow up a takeover and the creation of a huge change in society with a reign of terror over the people. And that's what we're living through today, as they stir it up and train us all to be passive and submissive subjects on the roads or going on to aircraft where they do body cavity searches. Nothing more humiliating than that. And that's to train you that you are nothing at all and to accept it passively and be humiliated. This is the technique of the prison guards at camps before they exterminate you. And here we are having all this nonsense today. Nonsense that we didn't even see during the Cold War when they, they, they had trained everyone they were going to get blown up any second. But suddenly it's on the road today because of a couple of Arab countries. Arab countries that the New American Century group published in their agenda in the 1990s about the countries they wanted to take over, Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Syria, so on. And the same group who are now giving us this reign of terror are the same guys who belonged to this, this, this new American century group. What a coincidence, eh? But they did uh, design it. It was designed long before they came along. This stuff was, was even talked about in the 1950s, the stage we're at today. As long as the 1950s, they had the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, which is just the American branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, a group set up with a royal charter by the British monarchy to bring in and create a standardized world under a super world parliament, which is to be the United Nations. Everything ties together rather easily. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, filling in for John Stadmiller. And I'd like you to look into my website at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and alanwattsentinel.eu. 
where you can pick up uh, transcripts in English and in other European languages for free. And also see what I have to sell. Not much, actually, because I never have time to write anymore. But there's a few things there which keep me going, and uh, I'd appreciate uh, orders coming in. At the moment, I'm going over some of the history of how I've arrived in this condition where people are beginning to wake up to an extent on a low level when they realize that the world around them, their immediate world, is changing quickly. In some of the big cities, they see all of this increased security. They see men with machine guns in, in London in black outfits, out black uniforms. In some countries, they already are asking for ID for your children. They must take it out with them all times. And this is becoming the normal. This, this is the stuff that, that Adolf Hitler wanted to, 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 to bring in. Uh, this is the type of stuff that the, the Stalins had. You, you couldn't eventually move out of your own area for a visit to someone, even a relative, without permission eventually. And that will come here too. It's all part of the same technique and strategy. And why change the formula when it works so well in the past and will work again? This is to train us all that we are nothing, basically, to psychologically defeat the people through acquiescence to superior forces, uh, superior minds, and very powerful people above them, the military, police, etc., and all these various arms of government they have today. Uh, the arms of government that guys like uh, Carl Jung said uh, would bring a hell on earth. And that's what we're seeing coming into view. It's a hell on earth. And this hell will last if the big boys get their way and we accept it until they bring in their utopia, a utopia where no one will be born unless they need you to be born to serve them. This has been written in their own books at the top. The brain chip is well on its way. I've got the documentation from Loyola University. I had a search for it. I have the full and abridged edition from 91, uh, from 2001. Then the next year and the next year's edition of the World Science Meetings to do with this brain chip. And the first one was headed off by Newt Gingrich, of all people. These guys don't fade away, just carry on in the background. And he opened up that meeting at Loyola University in Louisiana, talking about who was funding this great meeting of scientists. And uh, it happened to be the American, the, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. The reason it's a Chamber of Commerce, using your tax money, is because, you see, you're all slaves, basically. You're owned, you are property, and that's why you paid for this huge meeting. And at the meeting, they talked about this chip being ready to go, be implanted in people. The regional computers, they said, were already set up, supercomputers, big cray machines, or, and uh, they could program millions of people in each region quite easily and quickly. The only problem they had and have at the moment is getting the people gradually and gradually and gradually to accept the inevitability of it. They didn't think they'd have much trouble with the children because they were going to, to pay producers and movie writers and novel writers, science fiction writers, lots of money to put this in their books and movies 
to make it feel sound exciting to the youth, the youth who, who really are becoming excited. They want to be part of cyborgs now. They've been brought up with it on their cartoons. They want to have superpowers and super strength, and nobody will do with them. What they're not being told, though, is that once this chip is inserted and you all have it, yeah, you might have a few uh, good times before they pull the final chip, uh, uh, the, the actual switch. And when they pull that switch, you will no longer be you. You'll be whatever you're programmed to be. You could be a plumber one day and an electrician the next, if need be. And that's what's called efficiency and utopia. The people who must realize this, of course, are the media themselves and those in the entertainment and the culture creation business because when this happens, it's not too far off. They will no longer be needed. And they know as well, or it's beginning to dawn on them, that uh, they'll also be chipped because they will become useless eaters, as Lord Bertrand uh, coined the term. And this system that's coming in does not want useless eaters. They've made that very, very plain. They've been uh, going on about depopulating a good proportion of the world uh, for some time now in many of the books from the top discussed at big universities, big Ivy League universities, and, uh, and openly even by people like David Suzuki, who does nature shows for the World Wildlife Fund, where Prince Philip is the head. So what are we looking at here? We're looking at a well-laid plan, which spans a long period of time. That's why it works so well. Most of us, because we have a short lifespan and we rush through it, we're kept very busy rushing through it trying to survive. Um, it's hard for us to imagine that uh, people can actually plan three, four, five, six generations down the road and still pull it off. Well, that's exactly why it does work and always has worked in the past. You're tuned in to the National Intel Report, the real talk radio show. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, standing in for John Stadmiller, and I think there's a caller on the line, Rick from Canada. You there? Are you there, Rick? Yes, I am. Can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, actually, great show uh, thus far. I'm, I always enjoy when you, you sit in for either Mr. Satmar or the guy before it. Um, I'm calling from Canada, from rather, uh, really close to where you, got, where you are in a stair there. I'm on the bottom or the southern end of uh, Georgian, Georgian Bay. Yeah. Uh, I had a uh, two-part question and completely off-topic, but... Um, what sort of do you actually get any hassles from the the federal government in Canada here uh, with the way you let things uh, out um, by way of uh, hate uh, laws that we have here in Canada? And then the, the second part, how do you vote in uh, federal elections? Uh, the, the American public probably doesn't realize that we in fact have a three party system in Canada, but we also have uh, splinter groups as well. Um, I'm just wondering how uh, would you go about voting as well? Uh, that, thanks very much, and keep up the great work. Well, well, I'm proud to say I've never voted in my life. <laughs> okay. Because because I, I knew it was a, a con game when I was small. I listened to the older men talking about all the different elections and realized they'd all gone through the same thing, voting for one side, then the other. And what you find in democracies 
is that you're not voting a new party in, you're voting the last one out because it's so bad. And even when you vote, you'll, you'll notice that the big plan, the big pictures like, uh, like the terrorism business or, or the amalgamation of the Americas uh, or, or even the world is never mentioned. It's just pensions and health care and the usual stuff. So, so why would you even vote in the first place? They don't run uh, the world. And Professor Carl Quigley and others made that quite clear, since he was the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations, that uh, came out with all this stuff. He said this has been a parallel government running the United States, and he meant Canada as well, and the rest of the world, for 60 years, and that was written in the 1960s. And it's, it's, full, it's in full steam ahead today. As far as the authorities go, yeah, the last place I was at, they tried to burn my place down when they flew a helicopter over it, well, two helicopters actually at night, and, and threw down what seemed to be a phosphorus grenade down my chimney. And luckily I had a hose all called up with no water in it inside, and I strapped it on fast, ran up the roof, and I could have touched the skid as this guy was taken off. And I, I poured that on for about half an hour, I cleaned the chimney that morning, in fact. There was nothing in it. And this white blazing stuff went on, I think it was magnesium in there too, for a good while, and then I got it out and uh, saved the place. And I've had the usual black SUVs, black tinted windows, that would drive up the country roads where I'm walking the dog and just stop, no lights on the whole way, mm. uh, 20 feet from me, just to give you intimidation. And the same vehicles would sit outside your door, and when you went outside to give them a coffee or something, have a chat, they'd take off very quickly. So I've, I've had the intimidation, and I've had all the nonsense with the phones, they're clicking, tapping away. At night, you, when you, I get a lot of calls coming in here, and at night, uh, they put the young guys on, the, the, who are the night shift, you see the newcomers, to listen to boring conversations. And if you talk about the occult or, or different stuff like that, they're very quiet, they enjoy it. But if you start talking politics to someone on the phone, they start clicking. And you can do two taps for, for yes and one for no, and I do all these little games with them, and we have some fun. But yeah, I'm being observed all the time. And uh, it doesn't worry me now, because everyone else is being observed too. Uh, this is Total Information Network. They meant total. That's everything that you read, read write, uh, send out in your computer or receive, uh, or do. And of course, most of your purchases now are all recorded because everyone's using cards. This is mm-hmm. Total Information Network. Mm-hmm. Is that okay, accurate? Well, well, yeah, no, thanks for, for answering that. I was just wondering because it, because of the laws that are here in Canada, they're very difficult to get the, to get the word out, uh, you know, of, of other alternative uh, media, mad idea, um, you know, and uh, we, uh, we do appreciate the work you're doing. Well, thanks very much. Okay, you have yourself a great day. You too. I know. Yeah, this... Um this observation stuff, you get used to it after a while. You get used to being followed and watched. And you also have to be on your guard against people trying to infiltrate to you because they always send someone to you uh, to get to know you and, and, ga- and gather even more information about you. So you live a, a reclusive-type life as much as possible to keep yourself going as long as possible because we're dealing with information. Really, they'd rather keep quiet at the moment. And um, I expect one day they'll, they'll either kill you or, or put you out of business one way or another. Many ways to do it. And on the other hand, too, they're also so arrogant now. They're on a roll 
they know that if they create one more big panic in society uh, and the media goes into action with the panic, whatever is being said about the truth will be suddenly forgotten in the panic by the people who will then look to the government to help them. They know this too. Yeah. So we're living in an organized, an organized system, planned system with a planned future, uh, where they plan to cull a good part of the population and bring in a utopia. Utopias have been talked about since from the days of ancient Egypt. One thing that Egypt used to do is export something to all countries. They would bring in students and train them from all other civilizations and send them back after being initiated in, into the high occultic sciences, but they all went back to their own countries or other countries and started up the nucleus of a revolution. It was a revolution to be done through secretiveness, through brotherhoods, to take over and create a utopia. A utopia that would serve the elite who believe themselves to be gods, uh, being the most intelligent and having access to all real information and giving the, the ones who invented the mythologies for the public, in fact. They were, they were an elite. You'll find that with Pythagoras, uh, who was sent to Egypt, and he went to Crotona, which was a, a colony at that time of Greece, but it's really in, in Italy. And what they did was um, recruit, just like monks. Monks are very important here because... Uh, the Catholic Church did not start up these monks with their vows of silence to join the Pythagorean society in ancient times you had to uh, have a, 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 an oath of silence, you listened to the masters they still use that today in the Grand Lodge of England, at least on their crest, you watch you, you look and you listen but you keep quiet silence and he also, Pythagoras also recruited young women for the first time trained them in a good education and then sent them off to marry the nobilities of other countries and then report back and then influence their husbands into certain decision-making. When this was found out, uh, the people of Cretona rose up and they burned down his school and killed a lot of his members and it was never known that Pythagoras got away or not. And it's from Pythagoras that we even get words in the English language like ton and ton for weight. Uh, uh, and color, in fact, shades of color. These are very important. Nothing is new under the sun, as I say. It's, uh, it comes from ancient times. You find the same with Socrates, who said a lot of wise things. There's no doubt that whatsoever. And, but Socrates himself was actually killed, um, condemned to death for influencing the young to rebel against their parents and the system of, of his day. Uh, there's a lot of nice things about Socrates too because he had a wife who never spoke much except she kind of growled at all the students. And he asked, why on earth do you keep that wife around? And he says, to keep me humble. I thought that was a good answer. But yes, they, they, they exported revolution, an ongoing revolution that would bring in a, a utopia, a planned world, a planned society where a small group with intellect and sciences, sciences they knew they'd accumulate down through the ages and keep secret from the public, would be used to create this perfect 
that's about a utopia that would exist. A utopia with very advanced sciences hidden from the public of their own country. And scientists would even live underground and inside mountains with laboratories that could manipulate weather. They could create hurricanes and tornadoes, make it rain, um, cause earthquakes if need be. And they said it was the whole facility was powered by something that gave off the heat and the light of the sun, very much like nuclear power, you might say. And that was written in the late 1500s and published in 1602. You couldn't dream that stuff up back then unless you had some modicum of knowledge into the atomic theories. Now this sounds very far-fetched to some people, but when you realize that even in ancient Egypt, two and a half thousand years ago, and, and in Greece they had the Atomist Club, who already knew that matter was, was not solid at all, and that yet tiny, tiny little particles they called atoms swirling around each other. Now how could men possibly know that when they were using candles and oil and lamps and supposedly had no microscopes and electronic microscopes or, or even atomic microscopes, but they did have these schools that knew all of this. Knowledge is kept secret from the public and it's dished out a little bit at a time down through the ages when it's necessary to bring a next step in to the public. Um, Francis Bacon, as I say, in the 1500s, writing the New Atlantis, uh, talked about genetic engineering. He didn't use the term genetic. He simply said that uh, the, the, these people would also have the ability to take any type of life, take little parts of it, mix it with others, and create different species, even humans if necessary. He could not um, dream this stuff up in the days of sail and canvas and the horse and cart unless you already knew of sciences kept from the public. That's how it's done. We find the same with uh, Isaac Newton. Most of the big players, the famous players in history from the 1500s onwards, belonged to the same group of the Royal Society, the first Masonic chartered scientific society to exist, once again chartered by the British Crown. And the Royal Society was a very secretive society that Newton and others belonged to. They were given information, secret information, archived information, and then told to, to go out and work on these particular projects. So these characters were not inventors as such at all, or great minds. They were just men who were given information that had been kept secret for a long, long time from the public. They also had to give their wives away to join the society and and make um, preparations to, to to pay their wives and their children to be kept somewhere else because these guys uh, it was as a male only society and many of them in fact were were homosexual like like Newton Isaac Newton Isaac Newton lived his whole life pretty well in a university in England and seldom went off campus and he was even going to bring in his boyfriend from Italy, Flavio, at one time. Uh, and that, that fell apart, and, and Newton fell apart. So they made him master of the English mint for coinage instead, as a reward for all his work in the great work. History, as I say, 
uh, ha- gets one version for for the public starting at school, and all you have is dates, names, and times, and places, and battles, but you never get the nitty-gritty of who started these battles, who brought in these wars, who profited from these wars, who gave the famous uh, players the information for these discoveries that they would rediscover, because they'd all had them before. Benjamin Franklin did not create, for instance, the, uh, the lightning arrestor. If you go back into ancient Rome in the Temple of Jupiter, they had lightning arresters there, which, with copper coming all the way down from the roof, would actually light up and, and, and uh, in a blue haze the, 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 the actual statue of Jupiter on certain stormy nights. There's nothing new, as I say, under the sun. It's just that knowledge is taken away again and we're given a farce for history. And this is ongoing today. Uh, one day when they unite the whole of the Americas, and because the public on, on, the, on the whole don't care really, um, or the students care, they're the only ones who know what's going on, um, the, historians, the historians who are authorized to be historians will, will write it down quite calmly that the people didn't resist. It was a natural evolution, and, and um, it was no big deal. It merged quietly and smoothly. That's how they'll write it. They actually think way ahead, and I'm sure the authors to do all this are already picked for the job. That's how the world really works, just like presidents are groomed for their role, like Bill Clinton was, when they were students at university. Everybody who gets to the top, according to Carol Quigley, is groomed for a presidency's position or an advisor's position. And and quickly said it didn't matter about the lower orders of politicians. Uh, They're allowed to do some small type of competing in one party or another for personal aggrandizement. So that's the real world we're living in. Our lives are planned. We have most people that if they really knew or cared to know, but wouldn't mind so much because they've been socialized. And this was a system... They talked about a long time ago bringing socialization to a world of experts until the public would remain mentally as children. They'd, they'd, they'd live and work, but they would entertain themselves to death, leaving all the big problems of life to the experts above them. Well, that's, that's perpetual childhood, and that's what socialism is. Most people today have been socialized to such an extent that they actually like it. They don't want to know the big problems. And those who are trying to wake them up, I'm sure, realize this. They like uh, playing themselves and leaving the big, big problems of the world to these, these priests above them, these new priesthoods of experts and scientists. They also want to believe there are great social nets out there, which are true that they are there. It's just that they're not in the same way that they're described to you. Because if you ever need these social networks because of some mishap, you'll find that they're not all they're cracked up to be whatsoever. Once you end up under the thumb of the social work departments, they run your whole life for you. Uh, And they have law now on their side. At least they claim they do. Our policy is as good as law to them now. They run by policies. And that's what they'll tell you. This is our policy. We are... As Charles Galton Darwin said in his book, The Next Million Years, 
slaves living in a more sophisticated form of slavery. And that's where we are today. I'll be back in a minute. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, standing in for John Stadmiller, and I believe there's another caller on the line, that is Carol from Idaho, are you there? Hello, Hello. yes Alan, hi, um, I enjoyed listening to your, um, may I call it monologue there, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I've often appreciated the breadth of your study and the depth of your wisdom that, that you come to because of it. I totally agree. Truth is so much broader than anything that our political or church leaders also uh, seem to have ever wanted the people to know and express. Yeah. Uh, what triggered me to call in, though, Alan, was about uh, 15 minutes ago when you mentioned that uh, you knew, even as a child, that voting was futile. Mm-hmm. And uh, you mentioned that uh, the controllers put in, take out one group and put in another. Well, that's so obvious. We know that, too. You're right. Um, and I, <laughs> uh, I'll excuse you for being in Canada uh, and not now at this time getting behind one candidate that we have going here and that is our congressman ron paul mm-hmm. obviously you can't vote there but i just want to say this for all americans who can um, none of these controllers that have held us hostage none of them are god but we do have a god who is the source of all divine eternal and creative wisdom and we are his and he is ours and so I think we still need to come back to that. Yes, we've been under bondage, and we still are terribly under bondage. But I'm hanging my star on right now the gift of God that we have here in America in the name of Ron Paul and his candidacy. And I believe that all over the United, excuse me, all over the world, there are in fact many nations who are also supporting Ron Paul because they know that we are one globe, one world here, and if America totally sinks, uh, under the global system of tyranny, then there's no hope for any other nation. So all I wanted to say, Alan, is that yeah. um, we need to realize that our God wants us to win and intends us to win, and he's given us a gift right now, a gift of hope, that if every person in America and even around the country, anybody, any way that anybody can support this man, Ron Paul, who, as far as we can determine, is not put in there by the uh, controllers. He is um, he's, he's opposing them, and he is for the people. That's all I wanted to say. Let's yeah. uh, receive the gift of God and put everything we have behind it, because we and the gift of God are, are a majority. We are the power, and so let's use it. And yeah, and the thing is, too, I'd add to that is that uh, we have a, a question of will here as well. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think we leave it all to one person. Uh, I think uh, everyone here has a part to play. I don't care who they are. You bet. And their yeah. personal lives yeah. and and, um, and their daily lives and interactions. Because, um, believe you me, it, it takes a lot of people to That's start right. the ripples flowing. And we have to flow very quickly. Oh, it yeah. is true that... Uh, uh, once the U.S. goes down, that's the death knell for the rest of the world to follow yeah, suit. Yeah, yeah. And um, no one actually wants that to happen. That's right. Uh, especially when we know the psychopaths that are running the system yeah. up until the we, present. We just, uh, you, you've, you've expressed it in so many ways uh, so well that 
we were not created by these power mongers. We have an all-powerful, loving God who created us, and that power is in us. And as you just said, it is the responsibility of each of us to use the God-given power that we each have to rise to the highest point we can and link arms together with men of like mind and move this planet forward in the direction of light and truth and wisdom so that those ancient wisdoms that have been swallowed up and covered up for so long that they may rise to the surface again and become the knowledge of the common man. Yeah, because this is the thing... Uh, those in charge right now certainly are a very dark crew. Uh, they, they live on authoritarianism. They are psychopathic. They're addicted yes. to power. Yes. And, and they love uh, to see the people tremble because they're sadists as well. I mean, right. these people are really, honestly, truly uh, sick. If Christ is hope, then these are antichrist. I'm Alan Watt, standing in for John Stadmiller, and we're discussing all of these problems that are going around today, long late plans of mice and men, hopefully we'll gang aft a glee, as they say in Scotland, but uh, we have one more caller, I think, on the line, is, is Kenny still there from Connecticut? Is Kenny there? Hello? Hello? Hello, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's um, Henry, Connecticut. Uh, Henry. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you something. Have you ever heard of a magazine, uh, which I find this magazine really fascinating, called Mother Earth News? I remember seeing it years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I have the June and July issue, and stuff with wind and, um, you know, wind tur- stuff with wind, solar energy and wind energy and other things. Of course, the stuff is getting more advanced. Uh, they had in Europe for a little while, too, in Germany, they were doing it. Mm-hmm. For quite a while. Um, you see, one of the things that I'm hearing this other lady talking the stuff she's saying, but um, I always believe that um, this stuff with all this paying for this utilities with the electric and this to heat their water, and I'm, I'm thinking about all this stuff in this country it is so stupid. And I don't believe these people in charge. Uh, having us continue with this stuff. And notice there's no law passed for any new homes that, that are being built to have any kind of solar or anything on them. I know some places can't have the wind, okay? It depends on the area and the zoning and so forth. But they could have something. And it seems to be this philosophy, especially with the older S, I can't say the word, okay, because we're on the radio, but people out there know what I mean, uh, that are running this country, that everything of them has to be some price for everything, and they're always, these people, all of them are the ones in Illuminati, the people even you're talking about, it's always, I heard stuff even long before I uh, found out about you, and, and I got in touch, found out about you through Jackie Petru, but long before I was listening to her, when I was listening to William Cooper, he read books, similar like stuff you researched with these people and some of the books, like some people from the uh, Nixon administration and so forth, and even further back than that. And uh, it's always all this stuff on us, religious stuff, that it must be controlled. And, and it's very, like, religious, uh, um, uh, how can I, I guess, how can I say it? But um, I'm really just, like, sick of all of it. And I'm wondering, with all these utility companies and everything, I don't believe this stuff is just totally because it's just making money. I'm trolling now. You can correct me on this, and, and you know, after I'll, I'll, I'll shut up and I'll listen. But what... 
I, my personally belief is that the reason why we have all this gas company, utility company, pay for everything from your heat to your hot water to your electricity, everything is not for the purpose of money, but just because they just want them to uh, want the people to just uh, struggle and strive, and it's got to be some principle. Everything should have some price for everything, since they're religious and principle oriented and logical or uh, scientific or practically oriented. I mean, especially particularly with that generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all of them now. I'm not saying all, but the ones who we, I notice even now. Um, I, I spoke to a guy named Ralph Epperson, and he even told me there's very few people 40 and under, but there are some, but not as many joining the ranks of masonry and stuff like there was in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Yeah. Now, correct me. Am I wrong? If I'm wrong, well, they didn't have to. Use, the boys who ran masonry at the top, at the Carr's Coronation Lodge in London already had created a new type for the next generation, and that's called the New Age. They created the New Age and Wiccanism, which also has three main degrees, just like Masonry. Oh, yeah, I remember you said that about Wicca. I remember you told me that before, but here's the difference, though. They Mm -hmm. burned the witches in England. I read a book Mm -hmm. where, you know, there's a guy named Dr. Fian, it's it's spelled this way, I don't know how it's pronounced, F-I-O-N-N, or F-L-I-O-N-N, and they burned him at the stake. And um, they implemented the Christian, the Catholic Christian Church after the Roman Empire fell. And I think that was used all this religious, moral stuff to kind of take away the knowledge that some of the ancient Europeans had with uh, herbs and uh, nature and things. And so they can find some way to control them and have this kind of destiny for mankind crap. I mean, I heard Cooper reading some of that stuff. Now, the hey, thing what, what, what you've okay. got, though, you see... Here's the thing, it wasn't, it wasn't that, it was Philemon was the name. Philemon. Oh, yeah, right. You know, yeah, Philemon, I can get you understand what Philemon is. Philemon is a fiction, because Philemon is literally the kingfisher. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, filling in for John Stadmiller today. And uh, just to finish off uh, replying to the last caller, yeah, Philemon was uh, the, the ancient uh, figure a figurehead of the, the Fisher King, the one who would go out seeking those to train into the mystery religions. So they sneak them in through history for the eyes, for, the, for those with eyes to see and ears to hear to understand what they're saying. History is full of hidden meanings put there for the luminous ones themselves. But you'll find that, that um, this world, you see, is not meant to be, uh, the system anyway, uh, for the world coming up, is not meant to be one of independence what you're seeing is a reaction against individuality. Uh, that's why it's the time of the mass man. You're seeing this, this uh, a revolution to bring back, in fact, a system of collectivism where everyone, as you, and you've heard this term from the United Nations on downwards, uh, everyone has to belong to, to the system. You have to be interdependent. Now, that means not just nationally for all your goods and necessities, but also it means interdependent personally. You have not to have any independence for anything you need to, to sustain your life. That's power, water, food, or anything else. And so, yeah, this windmill idea is a temporary little facade, really, because they can't power enough for a large population. It's not meant to, if it powers any population at all, is to be a vastly reduced one. And the present bulk of the population are paying for the setting up uh, for the next lot to come along once they've drastically reduced our numbers. Then it might work for some of them then, but even they will pay. 
the system to come in is to be one where they'll do away with money as you know it and simply call it credits. And it's redished out every year to every individual, every every Friday or Saturday, uh, and you get the same amount as everyone else, and it'll all be gone if you don't spend it by the end of the week. Uh, uh, you can't save it up. That's their new equality they're talking about for the for the lower ordered classes, which is really what most people will be then. If you don't have a specific function as a technocrat, as they call it, uh, that they need, then you'll be in the lower order and you'll get X amount of credits. Also, by withholding credits from you, you won't be able to pay rent because there's been no private property in the habitat areas. It's to be rental only, no private vehicle ownership, essential vehicles only. And that's the reason that uh, uh, we're not going to be given more freedoms. If you listen to the term carefully that Mr. Bush keeps using, he calls it the new freedom. Now, that's a legal term. He's telling you that freedom has altered its its meaning. It's a new freedom, which is obviously different from the old freedom. It's a new new rights, in other words, act of of what rights you do have compared to those that you thought you had in days gone by. It's a completely new definition of freedom. It's freedom under authority. Uh, freedom to, to do all that you're allowed to do uh, by those over you in authority. That's what it means. So, so yeah, uh, you're not living in a system designed to help and improve for everyone. It's a system to bring down into a common denominator of, of uh, the masses at the bottom needing everything for living uh, from those who own all of the facilities for energy, etc. The Kyoto... Uh, accord is going to cut back probably every year now uh, on your gasoline, um, natural gas, uh, everything that you use for energy, electricity, is to be cut back to pre-1960s levels. Well, how are you going to do that with the same population? Obviously, you won't have the same population for that to even work for a few years. They plan to reduce the population drastically. And this is the war that starts it, because wars are their favorite method of reducing populations. They've also got all their scientists uh, going around uh, the media saying, oh, we're going to get wiped out by plagues. Well, we've created more plagues and bacteriums and viruses than ever could have occurred in nature. They've been doing this since before World War II in laboratories. It's a fine, perfected art nowadays. And uh, they've they've actually disclosed many documents, declassified them from government institutions as to how far they've actually gone. At least that's what they're telling us. I'm sure they're much further ahead than that. But what we do know is that that these characters are monsters, and they do plan to reduce the population by all and every means possible. And they've been harping on about this since the days of Thomas Malthus in the 1700s, the, the big economist, they worked for the British East India Company and the British Crown. Uh, and this guy talked about statistics. Statistics, uh, <laughs> I've heard the saying that there, are, that there are lies, there are damn lies, and then there are statistics. In other words, it's easy to expose the lies, but when they use the scientific term statistics, we find it hard to argue about, because now the statistics are, are basically causing the decisions, the appropriate acts to be, to be done by the very statistical data they give us itself. 
this is the con game that goes on. But they want us reduced drastically, um, and I've said it in many of their publications. Jacques Cousteau, the great lover of animals and fish and all the rest of it, uh, gave an interview before he died in a magazine where he gave the actual figures as over, over three quarters of the world's population had to be culled off to save the world, according to him. And he belonged to all the big UN meetings. Look into Jacques Cousteau's history. You'll find the man was a eugenicist. Uh, while he was working for the British MI6 in World War II, his brother worked for the Germans in Vichy, France, and, and published their, their, the Nazi publication for them all during World War II. They ran both sides of, of the, the battles. So that's how the world really is. There are no real opposite sides. There's always a third side that runs the other two and make sure everything works out according to plan. As far as Wiccanism goes, yeah, they did give the public Wiccanism. They, they, they planned that as far back as 1880, uh, when Madame Blavatsky was going around, and, and they said they would create a new age religion for the people based on a form of earth worship. This has been reiterated by Michael Gorbachev uh, with his little green flag of the Knights of Lazarus flying outside the Presidio where he resides. And they've said that they're creating a new, a new world religion uh, for the planet where people will be taught to worship the planet. In other words, what they're really meaning is youngsters in the future will happily be sterilized to save Mother Earth if they've been conditioned to believe that they're all part of the problem. That's the world we're living in. You're, you're in a massive pincer movement, every one of you, where there's a thousand and more think tanks, a thousand and one perhaps, according to George Bush Sr., where he called it a thousand points of light. Uh, what they meant was the non-governmental organizations, big foundations funding them, they're all working along uh, towards the same agenda from every possible angle to bring this all into existence. This is not a haphazard plan. It's very thorough, uh, well-coordinated, uh, completely interconnected, and they, they, they use it and implement it through generation by generation. We're simply seeing the, the parts of the final effects of this phase of it in our own lifetimes. But we have to speak up now because you cannot leave this to the children. The children have been given the worst education that's been given to any generation for many generations. They don't have uh, the data. Many of them have been damaged by all the inoculations that have been given. And that was really the purpose of giving them the inoculations to drop the IQ, to cause problems with uh, the brain. That's where attention deficit and autism and all the other uh, degrees of autism come from. Attention deficit and so on is only one, one degree of, of autism. They've all been targeted and they've written books about targeting the brain of every individual so that they'll have a population going through the changes who will not complain. They want to destroy the survival instincts as we go through this part of the agenda from one society, one age, as they call it, into the next age. And you can see the effects all around you. I keep telling the young, stop blaming yourself for not succeeding in this psychopathic culture where it's dog eat dog and top dog gets to the top 
and, and is worshipped by the people. Uh, it's not meant that you win. It's a big illusion. You're graded at school for what you're going to be, if, if you're going to be anything at all. And that's what they train you for. You're living through a big change where they've decided they don't need you anymore. And I can remember when Margaret Thatcher got on national television in Britain and said there's a generation growing up now who will never see work in their lifetime, so get used to it. Those were her words. The great Margaret Thatcher that was elevated up into the House of Lords for all her wonderful work. That's the kind of psychopath we're dealing with. They're authoritarian. uh, They're ruthless. They could kill millions with an order and sleep very well at night. That's the psychopath for you. You cannot reason with psychopaths. Psychopaths will only look after their self-interest and they're terrified of the public at all times because they know what they've been doing to the public all these years and their their, their own um, families before them. And if the public gets wind of all of this data, they know they're in trouble. And this is a dangerous stage we're at because they know that the information on their own families and what they've been up to with sciences and inoculations and the creation of diseases they bring down the population they know it's getting out there and they're becoming paranoid ultra paranoid of the public so this is a dangerous time and that's the real reason why you have massive security forces across the planet uh, all going along with the same agenda ready to battle their own hi folks this is Alan Watt Studying in for John Stadmiller. And I think we've got Chuck in California on the line. Are you there, Chuck? Hi, Alan. Hello. Excellent show as always. I had three quick questions and I'll hang up. The first one is, what was the story of Hitler and why did the Illuminati betray him and have so-called murdered? Second question is, the protocols of Zion. And the third question is, is the, are the Jews behind all of this, or the Catholic Church, or is that just a scapegoat for the Illuminati who's carrying out all these plans? Mm-hmm. That's the, my questions. Okay. The Hitler, the Jews, or the Catholics, mm-hmm. and the protocols, too. Okay. Okay, I'll hang up now. Thank you very much for your information. Righto. Bye-bye. Yeah, with, with Hitler, uh, Adolf Hitler is an interesting man and it was it's true he was recruited by the german intelligence towards the end of world war 1 and I've no doubt trained for his particular role over many years he lived like a monk almost um if you look at his history very dedicated to what he was taught to do uh however i do share the view that stalin did uh on in his letter to to winston churchill uh, that Hitler was never killed at the end at all, and that the corpse that they kept showing was not his whatsoever. Stalin was convinced of that after uh, the Russian experts had examined that uh, charred corpse. Uh, with the protocols, you're fine with the protocols of Leonard of Zion. <clears throat> you understand. <laughs> you understand something right off the bat. If you look at the, the British version of the King James Bible, you'll see. In the foreword, the dedication to the king, 
King James, who was called both the Sun, the capital S-U-N, by the publishers, and he's also called the Sion, S-I-O-N. A Sion uh, is also an S-C-I-O-N, which means the cutting of a plant, which is then attached in the occult to the tree of life. And so there have been Zionists or Zionists long, long before it was picked up, even by, by world jury. Um, this is an ancient thing uh, to do with the Sion. You'll find it with the, with um, you, you find that there was a, the first group, even before the Knights Templars were given a charter to exist by the Pope. It was actually called the Order of the Priory of Zion. So, uh, and they, they started their own banking institutions. You look at Charlemagne, who was the king who forced people to convert to Christianity by the sword on orders of the Pope as he took over countries and, and pushed Catholicism. They also set up a bank under Charlemagne, and they set it up in what eventually was called Switzerland, and it was called the Bank of Zion. Zion in the high occultic does not mean uh, just a mountain. It's an imaginary, an imaginary mountain, a perfected mountain. It is, in fact, a pyramid that's been shaped. That's what it really means. And it is comprised and is typical, typically uh, occultic of two words, and that's the moon, which is sin, and, and it's also on. On is the phallic virile force that starts and generates the whole procedure. Sci on. That's where the word actually comes from. You can use a Z if you wish, which means it's, it's above to below, the top and the bottom connected by, by, by the diagonal. That's all high Masonic stuff. Now there's no doubt whoever wrote, uh, the protocols of Zion or the learned elders of Zion um, knew what the future was all about but you'll find copies of that were published and circulating in France uh, almost a hundred years before they were rehashed and brought out in Soviet Russia it's interesting too if you just look at it and think just think a little bit of the man who supposedly wrote it up and sent it over with Mars, <laughs> the warrior, understand, of, or, or the planet of war, uh, the guy's name was Nihilus. That's like the Nile, the river Nile, another Masonic clue. Because the high groups of Masons, during their initiation, call themselves Jews after the Jews who are initiated by the fictitious Hiram uh, of Tyre. That's what it's all about. It's nothing to do with, with what you think today as world jury. But yes, this was a high Masonic man, not the usual Mason stuff at the 33rd degree, way, way above it. It was the, the noble orders who brought this into being, and the noble orders also included all of those. You'll find uh, wearing epaulettes and wearing military clothing uh, at the tops of Europe. And that's why they knew the future. There's no doubt about it. They talked about the creation of sports arenas all over the world. They keep the people dumb and stupid and occupied. They talked about uh, inoculations being used to, to reduce population, cause diseases. But these were not actually Jews. However, Jews can join these higher occultic groups if they so wish, just like anyone else. So I hope that helps a little bit to, to explain this.
I still there? He hung up, I think. So, yeah, you got to understand, we are emotive creatures. Emotion tends to overrule logic or wisdom. You have to go into the past to get the stories of the present. Hi, folks. Alan Watt here, filling for Jordan Statenler. I'd like you to look into my website when you get a chance at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and the European one, which is alanwattsentinel.eu, where you'll find lots of talks on many of these subjects that I've given in the past, which you can download for free. But yes, we live in such amazing confusion because in ancient times, they created parts of religion, including the scapegoat. The scapegoat, generally there were two of them, in fact, it was supposed to meant to, to go out into the world or the, or the desert, as they called it, tying the sins of the people. And uh, this technique, of course, applied to humans as well. It doesn't mean that there are no Jews involved. Of course there are. There are psychopaths within every nation, every people, every creed who join the elite. And they have their own aristocracy too, as all peoples do. You have Japanese and Chinese aristocracy, even though they claim that China is communist. The, the same old families still run China as they have done for thousands of years. Very, very wealthy families who did not gain their money and their wealth and power by being nice to people. They gained it by massive slaughtering and beheading of lots of people. That's what we're, we've been living under. And really, since the beginning of money and the artificialness of cities, that's why money and Nimrod go together in the mysteries. Uh, we've had this system with us. People in a city need coin because they can't grow uh, vegetables or grow or have their own uh, food. They're dependent on everything coming into them. Therefore, they need something to purchase it with or exchange it for. And so you find money and the big cities hand in glove in this agenda. And that's why it's coming down to the massive habitat areas, which are just the new super cities for the bulk of the populace at least for a while until the population is reduced. While they're doing that, they're building very expensive habitat areas for the bureaucracies that will manage us all during this phase. And those habitat areas are, have, have uh, much more advanced housing. They have all of the mod cons built into them. And they are nice surroundings, won't be cramped like the cities are. But yet for the, for the average Joe, we've all to go into the cities, these super cities, and, and create big slums out of them, which will last for maybe a generation as they start killing us off. We have to look into even the Department of Defense from Britain, the top think tank, released a report of their projections of the next 25 to 30 years. And remember, this, this Department of Defense think tank is the same one that gives their orders out to the NATO countries, including the U.S. and Canada, and they foresee nothing but but risings of the people, sporadic risings of the people. They call them mobs and mob flashes and flash mobs. Uh, they don't tell us why we'd all be suddenly rising up. It's because of all the Kyoto cutbacks, etc. It's to do with the economic cutbacks as they start reducing employment for the people and keeping the, the taxes going up and people losing their homes and moving to the cities. It's all about that. It's about the massive changes we're going to come through very shortly in the next few years, 
to get us all in our new place, our new habitat, and a new way of living. They foresee nothing but resistance, not organized resistance, just just mob rule for a while, as they all try and kick back unorganized as they are. And the governments have said, the Department of Defense says, they'll use the, the neutron bombs and various other high-tech weaponry on the, their, their citizens. And this is from the top. So <laughs> they're not certainly looking towards a rosy future. And since they work for the guys who plan the future, they know the reasons why there's going to be all this this, uh, this mob uprising, as they call it, uh, in reaction to whatever policies come down. You have to understand the world is to change drastically from now on, and your way of living is to change drastically. Uh, uh, in fact, you'll be turned upside down. Uh, when this, this war, which might last a hundred years, according to, to Rumsfeld at the beginning of it, uh, is to bring out a whole new system with, with a, a different perception on everything, including uh, no individuality, uh, no picking a mate for yourself, no breeding with who you want to breed. It's to be a purpose-made society. Uh, ID also stands for ideal design. We have to be redesigned and made more perfect to serve this elite, the same elite who have written in their own books, like Charles Galton Darwin's uh, book, uh, the grandson of Charles Darwin in the 1950s called The Next Million Years. He said... We, the elite, won't change ourselves, of course, while we will uh, introduce hormonal changes into the populations down below and make the males more effeminate and the females more masculine. Well, we've all lived through this. We've seen it happen. It's been done. And you'll, you can always count on these guys when they write these big books. They're writing with authority because they belong to those institutions which have the power and influence to make it happen. They don't make wish lists uh, and hand it to Santa Claus. They actually make it happen. And they've told us what they plan to do a long time ago. They're still telling us what they plan to do. And we have to catch up very quickly and say, no way, Jose. Enough is enough. And, uh, and we must rethink society because we can't carry on with this society, which is broken and corrupt as well. We are losing our humanity as time goes on rapidly. Uh, people compete for everything today. It's nothing more than one-upmanship. We have been trained to be very good producers dash consumers, as the United Nations has declared the perfect citizen to be. And if you're not a good consumer, if you're elderly, well, now you're on the scrap heap. You're a useless eater, you see. We can't go on like this because we've come to the end of the road. What we have to do is start rethinking it all and deciding which way we can take this world, not the way of the elites and not an opposition of the elite because they control oppositions. They've had thousands of years of experience in controlling direct opposition. We must find a new way, a new way and keep and actually get back our humanity because things even in society, are falling apart so quickly in relationships and people to people uh, that it can't last anyway. Uh, we are living in a time where even the children can't get on with their parents. They're taught not to listen to their parents. They're taught even through the cartoons that their parents are a joke. 
they're taught through the, the comedies they watch that their parents are a joke. And the parents don't have the time to even talk to their children. We're living in a dysfunctional period, and we haven't ever, ever debated amongst ourselves, because all the debating is always done by experts for us, if you notice. But we've never had a chance to participate in other possibilities, in other ways of living, which will bring out a caring society, instead of this psychopathic culture that's been given to us by the psychopaths or, or the pathocracy at the top. Where the one who gets to the top is the most vicious and cunning and is applauded once they get there for doing so. That's what people worship. They go down in front of the beast. They go down for mammon, as they say. But we must find a new way. There's no doubt about it. Now, if there's any more callers who'd like to call in, uh, please do so now. And I'll continue talking here in the meantime. I really would suggest that people look at Charles Galton Darwin's book, The Next Million Years. Read through that book carefully. Okay, we have a Kevin in Texas. Kevin, are you there? Hello, Kevin? Yes, sir. How are you? Oh, just fine. How are you? Doing good. Um, I guess I, I've, I've been wanting to... First, I want to thank you for all the information you give us. I catch you on several shows. And um, I kind of had a question that it follows up from the, uh, the gentleman that called a little while ago. He was asking you about the Catholic Church and everything like that. Mm -hmm. I, I was really wanting to get your opinion or your thoughts on the part played by the Jesuits through mm -hmm. all of this through history. Yeah. Okay. Um, you see, all religions, including the Catholic Church, always from its beginning had an exoteric for the public, for the Mass. That's why you call it the Mass. You're going to the Mass. And an esoteric for the high priesthood. Even the lower priests don't often know the whole story. But when they created the Catholic Church, there was, there was nothing new in this at all. Uh, hats had been changed overnight in previous religions on political decisions. And when Constantine took it over, of course, at least trying to formulate a new religion, as his armies were waning, it was easier to control the minds of the people through a religion. It was called the Universal Church because within it they incorporated all of the ancient mystery religions and paganism of the existing religions of that time. So down through the ages, they've always had secret brotherhoods. Now, Loyola, Ignatius Loyola, who began the Jesuits, was brought in uh, against all the usual nonsense you'll hear that he was caught and captured, had an interview with the Pope, and then he came out as the first black Pope. Now, that's a bit of a nonsense because Ignatius Loyola was in fact a member of the of the, um, the the Alumbrato they called it the Illuminated Ones of Spain the Spanish Order of the Templars and the Templars already had merged long before with with the the, Hash, the it was really the assassins of the Middle East uh, old old brotherhoods uh, that had run the other side of things down through history started wars down through history. And so the Jesuits simply were brought in to create the dialectical process. Um, however, they were very good at it, very dedicated to, and, uh, and they studied history very, very, very well. They studied the old secret societies that used the same techniques, even with the equestrian order of Rome, uh, which was a noble order of Rome. Same kind of thing, 
over the warring factions and their land. Uh, that was similar to how they used it for, for the Jesuit order. You'll find um, uh, that the Jesuit system became taught to the globalists. They were, the Jesuits were called in to, to advise the globalists on how to bring the world together in a covert fashion. So the last people who would know were all the citizens who were going through the changes. And you'll find that um, Cecil Rhodes, for instance, uh, Lord Cecil Rhodes, who started up the Rhodes Scholarship to train world leaders to bring the world together, brought Jesuits in to teach them all the secret uh, techniques of uh, manipulations of whole countries, including the starting up of wars, and then having to get a, a system to go in and quell those wars to bring in world peace. This is an old, old technique. And what you find that since World War II, definitely, all of the controlling agencies of the world and all religions at the top combined. It wasn't just national leaders combining us all into the UN. It was a combination of all the religions, the religious leaders at the top of the world as well, bringing it all together. They knew they couldn't keep on fighting each other. Uh, they'd have to merge one day, and they all merged. So the techniques of the Jesuits absolutely uh, are still used today, only it's by the global system, the global elite, the global club, I call it, uh, that are bringing us all to the grand finale of this age. Uh, so I hope that helps you with your with your answers. Yes, sir, it did. I, I was my research was leading me. I mean, I'm sure you know you could find people who will say that the Jesuits or the Catholic Church are behind everything, mm -hmm. or you can find other people that will, and they'll bring out a lot of proof to you, but they'll say, like, the Jews are behind everything. But I believe they were just, like like you said, the Jesuits are being used as a tool. They're actually working for someone else. Yeah, you'll find, as I say, the, the leaders of all churches and people movements merged a long time ago at the, on a global level. Uh, you'll find even one of the largest Islamic uh, groups that, that pushes evangelical uh, an evangelical system across the world, the head of it isn't a, a Muslim. The head of it is a Dalai Lama of Buddhism. They're all in this together, you see, the top, as they bring the world into the big sheep pen, as I like to call it. Yeah, and uh, and the worshippers don't know. That's why yeah. all, all religious leaders are called good shepherds. We are the sheep. And the sheep yeah. is the most stupid animal you'll ever see. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> I've worked with them a lot. <laughs> oh, yes, they're all around you, yeah. Yes. Well, so, okay, yeah. yeah you, uh -huh. You've helped me a lot. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. And, and so there you are. That's the, that's the thing. Religion has always been used. Uh, religion comes from a term in Latin to, to bind, to rebind, to tie. And it ties you, it ties your mind, your, your, your psyche, your, your intellect to the religion. Hello, Richard. Are you there? Yes, Richard in Texas? Yes, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. Uh -huh. uh, eventually, it sounds like all these super secret powers are going to have to merge. I mean, and because it looks like to me, like the more like people like yourself, Alex, John, there's so many people learning about these secret societies now. I listen to the History Channel, the Discovery Channel. You know, they're not all given the exact same facts like you are, the black pope and all that. But it seems like the masses are 
picking up on this frequency game. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, it, it, like we couldn't never believe. So eventually they're going to do something. So how's this going to end? Because if they destroy the economy and all that, eventually the people are going to come after them. I, I can't see mm-hmm. six billion people just laying down for a handful of superpower uh, mm-hmm. sickos. I just can't see that happen. I don't care if it's Rothschilds, Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. I think eventually the people are going to realize who did it to them. So how, how are they going to continue with this? Yeah. I, I've listened to your show. It sounds like they're... Sounds like the whole plan is on the table. We know their entire playbook. I just mm-hmm. can't see six billion people laying down allowing this mm-hmm. to play itself out. Yeah, you're, you're right on that, and that's what I mean with that Department of Defense expose, which they came out with uh, over 90 pages on what they see at the top for the future. And they've been preparing for this, you see, for about 25 years. They've been building internal armies and uh, and training even the present generation to automatically obey within the military to kill anybody they're told to kill. So they knew it was coming before I was even born, and most of you were born, and they've been preparing with their higher weaponry and so-called non-lethal and lethal advanced weaponry to, to tackle all this. They know that the public will resist the massive change. Uh, sporadically and unorganized though it may be but they are prepared to use all an ultimate force to get their way this is a very dangerous time very dangerous time and in fact it gets more dangerous the longer we allow it to happen because these guys have crossed the line they cannot go back now like at the beginning of a plan and say um, we're sorry we made a mistake They've crossed the line, they've started the killing, they've been killing people off for a long time now with diseases, etc. And and they've gone too far down. The the axe man's axe is halfway down. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, standing in for John Stadmiller. I ask you to look into my website. I've got lots of talks on this kind of information. You can download it for free and check out the books for sale that I write myself. And um, you'll be surprised how much information is out there, and I've been putting it out for years. But yes, we must stop fighting each other. We've got to realize that all religions are in cahoots here because they all have their good shepherds, and shepherds are important to control millions and millions of people and bring them all to the same pasture, which is a new sheep pen, a much smaller one, mind you, in the end, that will all be penned in together. We've got to avoid that at all costs. And we have to bypass the, the front men who, who lead us and start leading ourselves. Something that's foreign to people, this whole idea of leading ourselves. But if we can't handle individuality, uh, then it's collectivism. That's what they plan to give us. Back to the feudal system of collectivism. Uh, individuality and the whole uh, idea of individualism is a fairly recent phenomenon. We never had that in the feudal days. We never had that prior to the 1700s. It was always collectivism in some way or another with overlords, hereditary overlords. What you're seeing today are these same overlords and their families who plan to continue uh, for thousands of more years with a brand new society. And we have to just to change all this and find our own way here before it's too late and before all the, all the nasty action actually starts, which will come. 
We see it all around us. We're seeing them panic at the top, become edgy. It's a dangerous time for everyone, and we've got to keep our, our heads during all of this and, and not go blaming each other and fighting each other, which is exactly what they want. We have to keep our eyes on the characters, at least the front men that we have access to, and start making them accountable uh, for probably for the first time in, in their lives, in fact, because they haven't been accountable to the public uh, for as long as I know. Today we have vote fraud, we have all these different scams, so it's difficult to to change anything along uh, the right path with all, all the, the games that go on. But they watch them like hawks because they're certainly watching us like hawks and they're using high-tech equipment to do so. But we have to start making them accountable before all the troubles start because once the troubles start, it will be chaos for everyone, for maybe a whole generation. And what comes out at the end of that generation is up to us right now. And if it's not up to us, it's up to the elite and they'll get their way. We have the choice right now. We can keep silent and quiet or we can start demanding that these people be accountable to us now or it's, it's game over for, for everyone. I think that's almost coming to the end of the show. It's about two minutes too. And I don't think, I don't know if there's any more callers on the, on the line, is there? No. So anyway, that's where we are with all of this. We've come to the end of an era, it's the end of an age, and it's up to us where we take it from here. And those who care about other people are the ones who will do it, those who are selfish, but will go under and perish with the rest. Thanks for listening. I'm Alan Watt, standing in for John Stadmiller.